Hi there, I'm Michael Hall. And I'm Andy Davis. And we want to welcome you to The Dad Vantage, the D&D show where a couple of old school dads embrace new school play with a few dad jokes thrown in. That's me. <laughs> That's right. Today is the Flavor of the Week Challenge, Andy, where you and I face mm-hmm. off in a character creation build, comparing two heroes head-to-head in a series of descriptive challenges to see who reigns supreme. Bring it. I think I said that in the last one. Let's go. Let's go. All right. I'm Rules ready. are simple. We start with a basic trope and build the most interesting characters possible off the same ability array and experience level. It's that simple. The winner is whoever can beat the other into submission via cunning, skill, and most importantly, flavor. I am all about the flavor. You are. You're very good at that. Salt and pepper. So there are going to be three rounds. And if by some strange fate, we end up in a split decision, I will remind everybody that we've got a very scientific way to determine who won. We have yet to have to employ it, but it is incredibly scientific. I promise you. <laughs> magically scientific. It's magically, it's magically delicious, everyone. Delivered via die roll. Science. <laughs> okay. D6, it's all a mystery. Okay, Andy. So what is today's trope going to be? So today's trope is going to be the cursed one. The cursed one. Think about think about that character who has something looming over them, something that follows them around, you know, that could be a disease, it could be you know, something that haunts their family, literally be a ghost that follows them around. It could be any number of things, but really the idea that they are, there's something going on in their life that is haunting them, that is causing them stress and pain and, you know, and, and, and going from there, trying to think of classic haunted one in literature, but I just keep thinking of Scooby-Doo. So I don't think they really track. Mr. Jenkins is not a haunted character. No, right. (laughs) No, but I think I think that's I love it. So w- as we go through sort of this, it's going there are going to be three rounds: flavor, yep. function, and convince me. Um, but I'm not going to get ahead of us. We're going to start at round one, and round one is our characters are meeting the rest of their party at the spoiled sow. The spoiled sow. Yes, okay, a, not, a, a, an okay. inn in Mesa. An inn uh, in Mesa. Okay. Right. Mesa Perfect. being a, an, a a town on a Mesa in the Shattered Chasm. Uh, again, yeah. this we're going to stick with this theme that, that Andy are going to run with around the Shattered Chasm. That way it's sort of there's some consistency. Shattered Chasm is an Old West style, uh, high plains adventure uh, right. that Andy and I work in quite a bit. So the Spoiled Sow. The Spoiled in, Sow. Uh, in Mesa. A, an inn. You are going all in on these these in names. I love it. Sure. Well, you know, where, where else are they going to meet? How are we going to meet this character? You meet yeah. you meet at a yeah. tavern. You meet at an inn. No, there might be other ways to meet, but like no, it's the it's the trope of tropes. It's the trope of tropes. Exactly. The trope of tropes. <laughs> Andy, how do we determine who goes first? I think let's 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 roll some initiative to see all who right. goes first. I'm, and we'll we will have to trust each other that we're rolling correctly. Twelve. I rolled. Oh wait, left. with. Use oh, do, we the, get, do we get to use our character? Yeah, use your character's uh, advantage. So I rolled a 14. Oh, I rolled an 11. Oh. My character is not particularly dexterous. <laughs> they are cursed. They are cursed. They are cursed. 
All right. Well, I guess that means I'm up first. Yeah. Um, at the spoiled sow. Spoiled sow. So I'm not going to get too deep into how like my character enters the spoiled. I'm just going to just describe her. Tall, thin, with an almost turquoise-ish complexion. You have just met Strauss Emberfang. Strauss would be striking even if she weren't born without arms, Andy. <laughs> oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> okay. Now, I know we're in trope land. One might easily think her appearance was the curse, but I don't see it like that. Right. First off, Strauss was loved. She was loved by her parents, loved by her village. They supported and encouraged her throughout her youth because she was good and kind. They grew up in a very well-adjusted, if somewhat sheltered environment. What no one knew, however, was the curse of her birth. Strauss is hexborn of half-elf parentage, planted in utero by a hag coven working in secret in the woods near her village. At 17, her innate magic started to manifest and the hags came calling, murdering her family and her entire village to retrieve her and two others. Strauss spent the next few years trapped in the Feywild, a slave along with her new sisters to the hags. This is where she received the name Emberfang and, oh, also her new arms. Her arms are a miracle and a curse. Years passed trapped in the Feywild, and Strauss was forced to commit crimes and horrors controlled by the curse of their birth and the wickedness of the hags. Sometime after her 22nd birthday, and maybe a hundred years later, who yeah. knows, in the Feywild, right. a group of adventurers discovered the coven and their crimes and killed them, releasing the Emberfang triplets. She has now dedicated herself to righting the wrongs of her past, to avenge the deaths of her family and village, if only her arms will let her. <laughs> So what about these arms, you ask? Oh, That's for it. round two. <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect. Wow, that is uh, that is a hell of a curse. Wow. Oh, that is, that's awesome. That's great. So well, that's amazing intro. Amazing intro. Thank you. And if, if you can't, I hope you can all hear me clapping on, on the audio there. That's fantastic. Let me tell you about Aelin Dements. Aelin uh, Dements. Dements. So Aelin Dements, we first see her and we're, we're outside the spoiled sow. And, you know, there is a, not too far outside the spoiled sow, there is a horse trough filled with water and two kind of ne'er-do-well prospector types kind of come rolling into town. And what do they find in the, in that trout, in that water trough is a young woman. She's got pale, very pale, almost blue skin. She's wow, look at white. us. We both went through the I know. We went, but, Crazy. Yeah. She went cursed. But like, like, but like, <laughs> like just like just a hint of blue, like a really yeah. almost just very pale. And then she's got basically medium long length white hair that sort of tips out to green at the end. She's dressed, you know as an adventurer would be dressed, but she's just fully like laying in the water, just absolutely like enjoying the first time she's been in any sort of water. You know, she has pumped it full and, you know, our narrative wells are kind of just looking at her. She's just really kind of bathing and just generally like luxuriating in the water. So she is, like I said, she is, she's a water genasi 
Um, The things that notable about her is she has a silver metallic and black tattoo that completely covers her left arm. And you see it, it is a combination of craters and like orbits and stars and star fields Uh. and uh, the phases of the moon. And she smells of the sea and she's, you know, she generally, she's like super easygoing. She's just doing her thing, hanging out, you know, basically getting the first bath being in any sort of like substantial amount of water that she's been in in days or weeks. Yeah. And then she, she smells, she smells a little bit of the sea. As far as her, her whole family is cursed. She's uh, moon touched. So generations before her, there was a druid named Demence who basically chose to challenge Saloon. And she lost. And when she lost, Saloon cursed her and she cursed her and her family. As you have, Saloon said to them, as you have disdained me, so shall you and yours love me. And she is uh, cursed to love the moon. Mm. What this means mechanically is basically Dements and all of her descendants since then are, they are in love with the moon. They, when the moon is in view every day, they wake up and they basically have to make a saving throw to decide to see whether or not they're going to spend the day kind of lost in reverie about the moon and thinking about it. And sort of just always kind of is at the center of their thinking and their thoughts yeah so and basically every evening when the moon rises they make a wisdom save or they're distracted and if they fail they have disadvantage on attacks and initiatives for like a full day they if they fail by five or more they basically become stunned until someone slaps them and wakes them up from it um yeah you know so and she and if you can then think through kind of like what that might mean to grow up in a in a family or a community that is basically cursed to love something, you know, but it's just kind of a different, not quite as grim as the typical curse, but I, I thought no, I like it really well, definitely hardcore. I mean, that's that you, yeah. you, you've placed some severe limitations via yeah. this curse. That's yeah. pretty intense. I like it. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I think I was trying to, I wanted a curse that felt meaningful and also could be like this. I mean, it really is sort of, you know, in the same way that you're the events that have affected Strauss, yeah. Strauss, Strauss, have affected Strauss have, yeah. have affected her. I think these are sort of like they've, you know, they're going to, they're going to warp your whole life. Right? right. And I just, I, I like the idea of something that wasn't, you know, love is notionally a good thing. It is a it is a good thing, but you know the idea that it could be twisted somehow into something that becomes problematic. I think I thought was really interesting. It's like a nice contrast to like a more classic curse, like like Canthrop. No, I like I like I like it, well, it's a super. I mean, it is very classic in in the sense that you're really in you're placing limitation on the character. I love it. Yeah. So why don't you, since you went second, why don't you roll into round two and start to talk about mm-hmm. this? How the flavor uh, comes to life and function. Sure. Already so, started that a little bit, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Aelin is, as you might suspect, coming from a family of druids. She is a circle of the moon druid. That's, That's one of my favorites. Oh, they're just really fun. I, I really have not had a, an opportunity to play many druids, and they're just kind of fun to kind of like really dig into and try to understand how you can get kind of get the most out of them as as players. 
so she she has stat block wise not terribly strong as a water genasi she's very t- kind of tall and slender but her constitution and wisdom are kind of like her maxed out stats so she's got a 20 in uh wisdom and a 18 constitution the thing about circle of the moon is they're all about wild shape and then there's there's sort of spell the spell side of it so spell wise she has as a well here i'll go we'll just go through some of the features so she is shadow touched so as part of that that gives her the ability to cause fear or become invisible I actually think that the cause fear is not so much like, ooh, ooga booga, kind of like I'm scary, but mm-hmm. like, you know, that they get some sense of like the obsessive nature of p- the potential obsessive nature of her and this idea of like love, like kind of being too powerful and get kind right. of weirded out by it, which I really like as a, as a water genasi, she, she is amphibious. She's got a swimming speed. She can also create and destroy water, which is, I think, super useful when you're in a desert. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then, the idea of the water genasi in the desert alone is just yeah, really super interesting. To yeah. Me. Like I have this idea that like in the backs, in her backstory that she grew up in this community, essentially this very matriarchal community where they're all really fixated on saloon and they're basically paying for their ancestors arrogance. And I think maybe her father or somebody else kind of helped her see that, that it's not a, it's not a healthy relationship and it's not that she doesn't love saloon, but that she is striking out away from this community by the sea that is very, very, very centered mother, grandmother, all sort of mm-hmm. priestesses of the moon and that she's striking out in a different direction to try and find a different relationship to saloon. It's not that she doesn't want one, but that she wants it to be a more honest one. And she wants to kind of redeem, redeem nice. that relationship, which I think is just kind of a nice thing. And then a circle of the moon, she, you know, she gets super powerful wild shapes. I think her, her go-to wild shapes are uh, dire wolf and giant owl. And the whole idea of the the wolf howling at the moon is pretty classic and kind of fun. I also really like the idea of uh, giant elk. Like I just yeah. had this vision of like this oh, like snow white giant elk mm. or like a polar. We got, bear. We got something. You got. Yeah. Some, we're gonna we're gonna get some place common here. Yeah, yeah. Mm, the the idea, but basically these wild shapes to kind of like as her thing, and then. Yeah, you know, I think that's, you know, and then the the tattoo is actually a, it's actually, it is a barrier tattoo. So it basically, it just gives her an armor class. It gives her an armor class buff, but I like the idea that she would have this sort of silver tattoo as this thing that kind of, that she's crafted or, or found as part of her family to, to help protect her love that she's traveling but yeah so i mean generally pretty easygoing and low-key a little i think a little ditzy or like right. ditzy not that she's unintelligent but just like always kind of slightly distracted and like a little probably a little nerdy about the moon can tell you all the names of the moon and their different phases always knows what it is can name all the craters you know happily stays up all night just staring at it you know that sort of thing um, i love it yeah super cool Sounds it sounds really fun to play, even with the, the, the that looming curse. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, I mean, the curse itself is, is 
it could be serious. tough. <laughs> that, could, really, yeah, that, could, that could be debilitating at times. Yeah. Okay, Strauss, round two, where flavor meets function. Her arms are the focus of her powers. They're wooden, they're carved in thin bands of metal with hints <clears> of <throat> gems and compartments along their length. They channel her innate magic as an artificer. <laughs> her unique magic is tapping into the power of the Feywild to create and summon and manifest Fey magic. So not like mechanical magic, but right. Fey magic. That's how her artificer works. Okay. I love it. What's unfortunate for Strauss, however, is the source of her magic is the unseelie court. Right. Not the Seelie court. So yes. for those of you who don't know, the, the Unseelie court is the sort of dark side the, of Feywild. The, them's the bad fairies. <laughs> them's the bad fairies. So on the surface, her magic seems unique, whimsical, nature-bonded. That's what you might right. see, but what lies beneath is capricious, dangerous, and malevolent. Tooth and claw. That's right. Magical compartments are hidden along her arms that reveal gemstones of power or trinkets or finger figurines that summon and manifest the spells and features of her magic. So, you know, she, you can imagine like she'll like, she'll reach into her arm and pull something out and throw it. And then right, that right. will be like the, the vehicle of her spell summoning. There are a couple of things that are really cool about her mechanically that I've built her around. They're like seeds. She's got like little magic yeah, kind seeds of that seeds like or gems out. or little yeah. figures, like little carved wooden figures. Right. That she's made uh, that can summon things. First and foremost to her is the locus of her malevolent power is this sort of spirit that she has with her, her mon her homunculus, which is core to the the artificer build, especially. Mm -hmm. um, the artillerist is is where I'm leaning in on this character. Her homunculus is named Maeve. Maeve is a mercurial fairy who appears uh, in a variety of costumes, frequently ridiculously over the top to the situation. Imagine if they're in a sea adventure or if they're in the the river, the big river mm -hmm. in the chasm. It's a big helmeted diving suit for water adventure <laughs> or a Napoleonic getup to yeah, martial yeah. forces or even a ringmaster. Ma right. Maeve is, is constantly sort of mocking Strauss. And I would give the the DM a lot of latitude to to sort of right. everything she does, even though the homunculus is supposed to be fully controlled by the character, I would let it be sort of a little bit more like the 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 bad familiar, right? Right, right. So just right, right. Free, feel free. She's Chucky. She's, exactly. She's willing yeah, to do she's, stuff. She's the, but, bad, she's but the bad doll. That's right. And and while she operates under the control of Strauss, there she, she isn't exactly happy about it. And right. while she looks like a fairy during the day, at night she's decidedly more imp than fairy. Right. Right. I think that would be a really cool thing. Mechanically, what I also did with Maeve, uh, I mean not with Maeve, uh, what we've also done with Strauss is I've given her ritual magic as one of her feats. Uh, which really expands her magical powers, particularly an artificer who's a half-caster. I really sort of right. wanted to push the bounds of what she could do from a magical perspective. And this allows her to have a fine familiar. She's, she's, the idea is that she sort of is summoning the armies of the Fae. To, that's sort of one of the things so, she does. So she has the homunculus. Yeah. And, and then she also has a familiar in addition. Yes. yes. And her oh, familiar, though... Whole, like good angel bad angel kind of a little kind of bit thing going on on the shoulders oh my god yes great. exactly yeah. you you nailed it so her her generally her familiar takes the form of a raven named mob 
So Mob is uh, feels Mob is hers entirely because she learned it, but she's named Mob. Mob is yeah. a bad name in the Unseelie yeah. world. And a raven, so it's very suspicious. Again, remains to be seen with the DM how we would <laughs> manifest these things. Whether maybe she's got a devil yeah. on both shoulders, not an angel right, and a right, devil, right? right? But it it could be really interesting. I just see it as, again super flavorful, super lots of options, different directions to go in. So she also can summon steed. So summon steed, she summons Selka, a, a, an unusually large doe or elk. We've got a right. thing in common. Yep. Yep. So again, like it, what I'm really leaning into is this idea that, and this is where we, like, we went in very similar directions. Yeah. She's got a lot of nature magic. Everything right. is fey, right? So she's right. summoning creatures. She's summoning things. She's calling forth things, which I really liked in the artillerist because the artillerist is about making things, but you could also make it about summoning things. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I made this contraption. It could be, right. I'm summoning this contraption. So let's talk for a second about her, the canon that she gets as an artillerist. Before we get into that, I do want to say I really appreciate, I think, one of the things that people kind of default into is they go, oh, it's it's an artificer. It's some guy with a set of hammers banging away and the idea that, no, I'm I'm growing my devices. That's right. Growing them. I'm carving. I'm like, I have this. It's such a fun class, especially when you reflavor it. That's that's what I saw it as. I said it's like yeah. I didn't like the idea of everything being, being clockwork or having and to steampunk be steampunky. Yeah. But like, what would what what could our what could an artificer do in a place where it's not steampunky? Where right. she's again mechanically, she's conjuring shit. She's yeah. making stuff happen via gems that she's pulling out of her arm or compartments. She can have a bag of holding in her arm, right? <laughs> like she's pulling stuff out I, of her arm. The, it, there is an NPC that has a wooden leg in the shattered chasm, and the wooden leg is a bag of holding. See, there you go. It's it that's exactly it. And that's yeah. why I love this this flavor. So let's talk about the cannon that she gets for an artificer. So, you know, you could just do like a dragon or something, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. whatever. I went with, she's got a thing called the Envoy's Army. The Envoy is 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 the Envoy of the Ancelli Court. And she calls forth, like, she pulls out, like, a little, like, imagine, like, little green army men, and she throws them down. And they become, <laughs> become this little army of fairies that, would, they interact with the environment. So if she's out in the, in the, in the world, if there's a bunch of, you know, shrubbery or whatever, they start to manufacture like little catapults out of trees and shrubs and they start firing things. Or if she's in, in another environment, they're, they're pulling weapons out of the, 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 the wall or again, there are these, it's a little army of fairy soldiers that operate as the cannon. And they are constructing they, things. They basically build the thing. And they then, build the thing and then fire away, right? That's awesome. Um, maybe they all have little uh, um, uh, fairy dragons and they're all firing the flamethrower. Right. Like, you know, there's right. a million different directions I can go every right. single time, just taking whatever is happening in the environment and saying, okay, with the army, you know, there's four guys are just yelling and there's all this, there's a ton <laughs> of them. And they move around and they fire stuff right. at whatever. Yeah gets in her way they're or they building a trebuchet yeah, yeah build like, a trebuchet exactly. yeah, whatever it is yeah so that's, that's how awesome. that's how her cannon works which i just love and then i can imagine mave like sort of leading them like with her napoleonic get up <laughs> right? uh you know let's go 
So I, I just, can also imagine them turning on Maeve. Like, I, I do like, so from a curse perspective. Oh so, yeah. So that's where I want to get uh, to the curse. Yeah. So I, I've, I've thought about this a couple of different ways. And I think again, I'd have to work with the DM to sort of get in alignment on this. Yeah. My first thought, and I think the simplest way to manifest the curse is to allow for what rolls on the wild magic table. I think right. that that could be really interesting. I know that that's a whole nother thing. And again, yeah. we'd have to work with a DM and maybe we'd have to custom create a, a wild magic version table of it and with a lot more negatives than positives. But I, that's how I see it working. Is it you know, right. a one on anything? Bam, you get a roll on the magic. We could talk about other ways that it could be. Like, yeah, I mean, it's not even, doesn't even need to be wild magic per se. It could just be like a fey magic table. A fey magic and, table. That's you know, exactly. I see a custom one. I didn't go out and like, create it because I yeah. just felt like that was just a little excessive. Not that I wouldn't do that. I <laughs> uh, uh, hey, guess what? Uh, guess what, everyone? You'll be seeing that fey magic table on Reddit very <laughs> I soon. I think so. Right? <laughs> so, but I see that as how the function of the curse works. And right. and I would also l- allow the, the, the DM, you know, on two successive ones or something like that, Maeve turns against her or whatever, right? Like I, I have a, no problem with any of the magic working against her at some point. We just have to figure out mechanically how that would work with the DM. I think, you know, if I were the DM in a situ with the character like that, I probably would say there's, there's two things that I would be interested in. There's a really interesting mechanic, sort of a homebrew mechanic related to wild magic, where every time you cast magic and you succeed, the counter goes up by one. So if a failure in the first round was a one, the next time you cast a spell, it's a two. So on and so forth. Right. That would be cool. Which is like a really great kind of. Yeah. Cause it's just inevitable. Yeah, it's so sooner or later something bad that, is going to happen. Which that would is, be perfect flavor for this character. Yeah, which which is yeah, great, especially right. for a curse. And then I think what I would do is I would just have a, at least initially, you probably have a relatively, you know, it might only be a D6 or D10 or maybe a, a D8 or D10 type table, but one of them could be, you know, uh, Maeve just refuses to act essentially like maybe refuses stunned. Yeah. they just you know it could be as levels as of that. severity right or they, so or the, the or easiest the, thing is the they just say refuses to, they say to yeah, yeah they, they yeah. just you know whatever effect i would want doesn't I would go off probably flavor almost every miss as being intentional by the fairies the yeah fairies they're always just like, hit if they want yeah, to the, yeah but, exactly. like if they decide they decide not to hit on almost like, every miss you know i don't i don't feel like listening to you this round so they're like hey, hey, hey i'm gonna just shoot at your <laughs> exactly feet. Right. or if they're super mad they actually turn it on you and that, that would be that, like the worst case scenario. that's exactly how i would flavor yeah. every every miss would be some version of like mave bumping into the fairies and, and preventing them <laughs> yeah, from, from exactly. hitting it just stuff like that. It would be yeah. endless and it would be fun. I also made, uh, much like your shadow touched, I made her fey touched, uh, right. which again, obvious. It's kind of an obvious feat, yeah. right? That, yeah. uh, <laughs> but again, I, I love Misty Step. I think Misty T- Step is just a fantastic, especially for an artillerist. She's, you know, not beefy, but not a glass right. cannon either, but like right. help her get away, right? She's she's yeah. an artillerist. She's meant to be in the background so she can get away. I gave her bless. I, I just felt like she's there's there's this in, this struggle with her where she's trying to be good, but her yes. arms are bad. So it's just an interesting. That's the curse, right? So she's constantly and, trying to do those things. I, I've been thinking about how her. I feel like I, I would her 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 firearm would just be her finger, right? Her arms are wooden, right? right? So her her it would like things would come again. Everything sort of built around her arms, so. She'd be able to cast her spells. I imagine her casting web 
at some point. And again, the, it would be delivered via fairies, um, appear, butterflies maybe appearing yeah. out of her arm and, and flying over and just covering somebody in, in silken thread or an army of spiders march out of, you know, flow out of her hands. That's exactly, I, I would flavor every spell as sort of some weird nature kind of element, but all emanating from her arms, either you, via throwing things or holes opening up or whatever. Have you yeah. read the Magicians trilogy by Lev Grossman? No. It's worth reading. Well, okay. So everyone on the podcast, like, stop what you're doing. Go read the Magicians. Like, yeah. just really, really interesting. Is that based, sort of is, like, did the TV show? The TV show it? is based okay. on Okay. Yeah. But, you know. It's I'm, its own thing. Uh, it's yeah, it's its own thing in some ways, in some ways less in some ways superior as all these sort of interpretations are. But one of the things that happens with the main character, who I'm forgetting his name right now, Quentin. Right. So he is at the end of the first book, he is, you know, there his his love is lost to magic, and he is horribly scarred from it and is in these magical lands. And when he comes back from that, he, he heals himself, but he's healed essentially by a bunch of druids and a whole, like the way that Lev Grossman describes how like a significant chunk of his body is basically replaced by wood, like magically animated wood. That, that's exactly that, what and we're it, talking and and about. I, and I, I, I hadn't just, even thought of that, but I, the, exactly the aesthetic what we're of it is just exactly like, I just love the idea that like, okay, this, there was this, accident there was this thing that has happened and that they have been essentially crap a portion of their body has been crafted by some outside force yep. and that you would have imperfect control of that is great yeah you know that's, um, that's so that's yeah. my function meets form yeah. flavor here we like are that. we've sort of gotten through two rounds I, so as the last round like is this uh i want to just like dig in slightly into the curse yeah because i think you know like clearly we're talking about curses we'll do it. let's 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 do that in the convince me portion okay. let's, do, let's challenge yeah. each other in the convince me portion of it but let's let's go through how you feel about flavor right where do you think we knitted out in terms of just initial flavor coming out of round one i loved your introduction Thank of you. strauss like i think the the presentation she is so clearly cursed and yet embracing the curse and everything it just really really stand out to me because you know it's very it's very clear like everyone she meets is going to judge her is going to be very aware of how she's cursed be very aware of kind of how that that has manifested which i really like it's not and honestly it's not even something that i really considered when i was building mine i was not thinking so much about like the physical manifestation of the curse and how that might present mm-hmm. itself and i just love i mean hags are hags are awesome hey audience everybody <laughs> you should all know hags are the best amazing really villains great. amazing villains super fun you can just get into your player characters dreams all the time and just constantly mess with them just keep them off in the like slightly out, off camera for a big stretch and you can freak people out to no end. Right. Yeah. Great. I sort of, that's where I've imagined yeah. her being rescued by this team of adventure, which sort of also inspires her to adventures. And then I've got <clears throat> in my head, I've got a whole family of Ember Fangs. Like there's three of them. So I've yeah. Yeah. And the fact that she three has different these sisters. Yeah. There's a, these other people that have maybe different awesome manifestations curse. of different similar curses. Things. Yeah. Different curses. Yeah. I, I really, really liked Thank that. You. Yeah. No, I, so for me, I think, you know, from a, 
I, I think you did a better job of addressing that sort of like the really like on point kind of cursed thing. I'll take, I'll yeah. take the win of round one. Where do you, Sweet. where do you feel like we knitted out on round two in terms of function and build? You know, I mean, I, when I think about Aelin and I like where she's at as a character. And I mean, circle of the moon is just like, they're just a bomber build. Like, you know, yeah, the, really you know, so like strange. when I think about like her kind of, you know, she's just like accosted by people in the street, she's going to do cause fear. They're going to run away from her. If she's dealing with something that's bigger, she's going to cast, she's got a lot of weather oriented spells that all sort of fit with the moon thing. So <laughs> she's going to cast moonbeam or call lightning. And then I she's going to turn into a, then she's going to turn into a big ass wolf and go Mall start ripping things to pieces. Yeah, I you think know, we should remember. remind uh, we didn't we didn't get into it in this episode, Andy. But the way we approach our builds is we start at level eight. We start to so mid tier right, two right, right, level. Right. We have a custom array that we work off of 17, 15, 13, 12, 10, 8, Which again, just whatever you want to choose, we could have choose to chosen a custom array. But I think I feel yeah. like I love having a seventeen in the mix because it it makes twenty very achievable for your primary, and then it gives right. you a crap score, a real crap dump score. So it just feels right to me, yeah, uh, particularly and, for this exercise. Yeah. And I think, you know, so you, like, level eight moon druid is super powerful. Yeah. You know, I think, and I think it suits this character who in some sense, I think is wandering a little bit, you know, I mean, they're a little, they're a little like literally spacey, you know? And so they're, I think the fact that they could travel, you know, pretty much you know the nice thing about a moon druid is like you you can pretty much go wherever you want to and do kind of you know whatever you want to as a single right you know because you can either run or you can you can fight really well or you can run really fast yeah you know and you know there's a lot of you got a lot of hit points man just that that wild shape is just the wild shape and especially as it starts to scale like you end up in a it's a pretty rough thing to handle. Yeah. You know? They're beefy. So, I, so I, I, I like that aspect of her and I, and, and to, and, you know, in my own defense on the curse, I like this, the relative subtlety of the curse that it's not, I, as much as I really like the, I think your character Strauss did a better job of like addressing the challenge. I do like kind of the, the slow burn of a curse more oh, around yeah. love over, over something Good. else. It's very, you know? very clean. I'm going to call sort of a draw on round two because I don't I don't think I want it, but I don't feel like I feel like they're they're pretty even. I I always like a moon druid just flat on its yeah. surface. I love how you've integrated. I lo- think you've given a much stronger curse. My curse is much more amorphous, though. I think yeah. it could be really strong. Yeah, I, I, it could be refi- I think it could be refined yeah. into something. Yeah. I, here's the thing: is what I what I do like about this sort of character is again we've talked about this, but I'm a big fan of building in weakness right into a character straight up and and that's then a strong weakness i mean it's a yeah heavy, you know and then a debilitating one at times yeah and and i as as is depending on how you built that sort of wild magic that fey yeah. magic ch- table or something like that I, that could also that is like yeah mine is be, debilitating in the negative. sense of like okay i know for this day negative. i'm kind of like messed up yeah you know and i'm gonna have to figure out a way around that but you know i mean i've got a 20 wisdom so it's, you know, it's a DC 20 wisdom save, but I've got a plus eight 
it, to wisdom. Much like right? in some of yeah. our previous ones, Andy, I think if these two characters met in a bar or you know had to face off yeah. against each other, I think uh, I think Strauss would be in real trouble. I think yeah. Strauss is fun, ridiculously fun to play. The the, the fairies yeah. running around, all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh yeah, so, so much. So we're, we're at a, We're kind of at a. Uh, yeah. I won the first round. We're at a draw in the second round. Let's do the convince me because I think we're yeah. starting to get into convince me. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll start because I was starting to go yeah. in that direction, trying to convince you. I think what's really cool about Strauss, and we started to talk about some of the all the the how the the curse works in. I I love that the the curse comes into my play style, right? So yes. as I'm doing things. The, the the fairies might turn on me or Maeve might mess something up or Mab, like who knows what Mab's up to. But there are all sorts of different ways for the for the for the curse to be delivered upon me that would be that would be very situational and unexpected. And and I would have right. to deal with it at all at all turns. And I love that it's like it's the source of her powers. The curse is the source yeah. of her powers. So there's a conundrum in that you know the more she uses her powers and because she's a magic creature, there's really no way for her to do anything without it, right? So she, sure, yeah. sure, she can grab, pick up a sword because she's an artificer, but really, she's not going to. She's she's not a she's not an armorer. She's an artillerist. Right. So everything she does is sort of tinged with a, a threat, which again is perfect for her character because she's done bad things. Right. Um, she wasn't in control of herself when she did them, but she's done bad things, and now she's trying to attuned she's trying to redeem yeah, herself she's looking for yeah. redemption right so her yeah but she's still plagued by the curse the redemption right. might never come so i think that's that's where i really like this character and i feel like she really would there would be all sorts of new ways for a dm to make me feel cursed there it would it would, it would yeah. manifest itself unexpectedly and at ripe moments and then everybody in the party would have to deal with it, <laughs> which is one of the things I just. I guess love. what everybody Mab has stolen everyone's food, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, or there's, or, there's yeah. just so many different ways that it could just go wrong, and everybody would have to pay. But she's, but she's also could be really powerful, right? Again, anytime you've got a number of summoned creatures, she can be delivering advantage across the battlefield. the 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 power of the cannon itself is pretty damn good. Yeah, uh, the fact that she can use, she can also, you know, be doing bless and some of those other things. And she's got because of oh, be, I forgot because she's hexborn. You know, she can deliver hexes, and she's got disguise self, so she can hide yeah. the arm. So she can actually, she you know, well appear normal as well. She's not she charismatic in any way, shape, or form. She she doesn't have to give off the appearance of of what she is, which also I think plays into the curse, right? Maybe she's right. a little embarrassed at times about it. Or self-conscious. And then this ritual caster, which gives her a lot more magic. Right. right. So that's that's right, my right, right. that's my plea for the, the final win on this one. Yeah, you know, I mean, I so my my plea, you know, Aelin is I think when I think about this character and I kind of think about like both how I would play them and that like how I might run them as a DM, they what I really like about them again is like I think that more than some of my characters i i actually have there's something in the backstory that is very it very much drives this character more so than some other characters that i play that are just kind of like hey i'm here i'm loosey-goosey i'm kind of doing my mm -hmm. doing my thing like i think she's on a, a bit of a mission right you know she's she's got to figure out at the same time she's being affected by this you know quite serious curse that leaves her kind of in a daze you know 
approximately half her time she's going to be you know if we just go by straight rolls you know if she's got plus eight in wisdom she's got she's got to roll a 12 or better to get over it's roughly 50 50 of her days are spent kind of wandering in this days you know and she's outside of a community that would understand what she's at and support her while she's in that from a functional capacity it's it is like you said it's very debilitating it's it's a lot less flavorful than mm-hmm. where you're at, but the, but the consequences are pretty, pretty dire. Pretty yeah. They're dire. pretty severe. Know, you know, like they, you would be like mid you're, to you're, be in mid adventure every long, you really have to think through like, okay, I'm having a good day. I got to get as much done as I possibly can yeah. before I go back to sleep. You know, before your, I, your, your party might love or hate you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And at the same time, I'm this, I really am a, you know, I'm a, very strong spellcaster, you know. Yeah, I'm yeah. casting, I'm no, casting I, ice storm. I'm calling lightning. I've no, got the, moon the powers. I've got the, like the moon druid is just it. In, I, in I don't, some ways, they're I, like I played OP. it only once, and it is. It's just the spellcasting with the ability to be very tanky. Yeah, even if it's for a mid amount of time, you put <laughs> you put a tank and a moon druid on the same team. And you, you you control the battlefield early, and then you can just crush people with spells. Well, and and then yeah, and the thing is, is like so most of her spells are things like you know, I try to keep them kind of moon and weather related. I like the mm-hmm. idea of yeah. this kind of like a, someone who's affected by the tides and has this very close like the idea of the sea and the tides tied to the moon just felt like a really nice kind of really interesting relationship. But you know, so it's a lot of stuff like. Hey, it's moonbeam, it's watery sphere, but they're all concentration spells. Right. And so as a moon druid, basically I'm just getting off one of those spells and then I'm transforming and then I've got a ton of hit points and, you know, pretty good con. I haven't really taken, I didn't take many feats. I really pushed everything into, you know, but I might at some point take like Warcaster or something like that just to get that little we talked about them previously it's resilient constitution it would give you a plus one in con and then it it doesn't give you advantage it makes you proficient so that would be plus one and then proficient is it's almost as good as advantage well i would be i'm already at a plus four in constitution so that would make it i might might look at that (laughs) yeah it's worth it's hard to say you know it's yeah it's it's worth worth considering i don't think people consider it enough as an alternative because it gives you that plus one. And sometimes that plus one, if it bumps you up to the next to the next bonus, it, yeah. that's like way worth it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and like you said, proficiency makes a, can make a huge difference. You know, Massive. I don't think proficiency is quite as good as advantage. It, it doesn't, unless it's also giving you that extra plus one that carries you up. over into. Yeah. You know, so, so I mean, particularly so, on constitution, it, it, it pays back on hit points and everything. It's a pretty pretty massive bump yeah so where do you land andy i mean i i have to say i think i'm actually going to give you both of these i think i think you just did a generally i i don't get me wrong i i want to pay play aelin yeah i really i really like the idea of having this thing giving deficits but yeah i think from a just a like when i think as a dm it's to, you're it's a lot more fun to have this you know contentious relationship with your with your homunculus and your familiar 
you know, and maybe even your steed, like that all of this stuff is like that there's this tension between you and your magic. There's just a lot more opportunity for a lot more variety of interactions. You know, I think Aelin's curse could either be really, really interesting depending on the party you're playing with, or it could just be like, fuck, we got to wait another day for Aelin to get out of her fog you know if I, can you imagine again, like if it. i roll if i roll poorly for a week like that the yeah. whole party is just like hung up for a week or they're just dragging me around while i'm just like at disadvantage kind of stoned it would be right. so t- that's a tough thing for a party to Thank bear you. and it's like it's it is genuinely a curse but it's also uh you, you also want it to be fun for your party members yeah right. <laughs> well thank you I, I worked hard on yeah. the flavor no, of strauss. Like strauss strauss yeah. uh has been sort of it's funny when we came up with this one as a, as a trope, I, I Strauss had sort of been in the back of my mind for a while of a right. sort of a Feyborn character without any arms. And then the arms are what give her powers. And I've been thinking about this in a bunch of different ways. And then we talk curse. I'm like, Oh, it's a curse. It's a, a curse. I've been um, cursed forever. Right. So it just, it, it fell into my lap kind of. So thank you. I'll take the win. No, uh, it makes no. us tied at one apiece. In our in our uh, in um, our ongoing battle for dominance head, of, our, of our flavor buddies. balance flavor challenge, <clears throat> I want to thank everybody for joining us today. If you have comments about the characters, if you feel that we nailed it, we'll probably also put the characters up on D and D Beyond. If you ever want to see the builds, yep. Uh, so I yeah, think we'll that that's something we'll keep doing in the future. So you can go and look at these characters, steal whatever you want from them. Hey, hey I, got a, I got one thing for you, Michael. Oh yeah. Yeah, you, you want to hear a joke about a piece of paper? Of course. Ne- never mind, it's it's terrible. <laughs> okay, that was a good dad joke. I like that one. I'm going to have to use that one. That that fits in the dad joke. Hall of Fame. <laughs> Woohoo! Okay. All right. Thanks again to everybody for listening, and we'll catch you next time on The Dad Vantage. Okay.